vacation before, and many of you told me how good of a job he did, no pressure, okay? And uh, so now I get to find out for myself. So when you see me back there taking notes, it's not because I'm learning, it's because I want to try to help you. No, I'm just kidding, okay? So I, I, I can learn a lot from this guy. I know that already. He has blessed me and helped me. Would you give Sammy a nice warm welcome? Have a good time. So we'll see if I still have a job after today. He's never heard me. I'm off my leash, so. Well, again, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Uh, it's getting a little chilly for me. My, my body's starting to adjust. Uh, um, I really love the cold um, because uh, what I tell people is I, I am a 400-pound man trapped inside of a tiny man's body. I, I radiate heat like crazy. And so when you radiate heat, and you live in the hottest state in the world, it's no good, okay? So I love being in Ohio. I love the weather. It's been really great. Well, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 this morning. The title of my message is Comas, Crowds, Cash, and Christ. Comas, Crowds, Cash, and Christ. And over these past couple of days, I'm sure some of you experienced a lot of those all at once. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now I want you to, if you can, just bookmark that, hold that. It's going to be important later today. Comas, crowds, cash, and Christ. I know Pastor already asked, but can I just see again, did, did anyone go Black Friday shopping was anybody out or Black Thursday night shopping, whatever it is nowadays? It's no longer Black Friday. It starts at like, you know, one in the afternoon on a Thursday, which my wife is completely against. She's not okay with this. But uh, <laughs> if you took part in Black Friday at all, you, you've experienced a whole other world of people. Um, we, we like to go Black Friday shopping. We don't always buy, but we just like to be in the midst of the chaos that is Black Friday. Um, if you've ever been to Walmart during Black Friday, it's like being in a tribal war of just, I mean, it's incredible. We went to Kohl's uh, this Black Friday, and uh, Kohl's was, it was scary. Um, we walked in, and I mean, there were people everywhere. And I don't do good in large crowds of people. Um, if, if there's a lot of people next to me, I, I have a bubble. And if you come into my bubble, you're in trouble. That's my bubble. You're not allowed in there. And so we're, we're weaving through people and just kind of trying to look to see what was on sale. And we found something that we were going to get. We thought, man, this is really cheap. We've got Kohl's cash. This is going to be awesome. And I was like, okay, well, let's go get in line. And I turned around and literally the line was there at the front of the store. And I thought, this is great. And then I realized the line wrapped all the way around the store. 
And I thought, well, we don't need this that bad, do we? I mean, this is a whole lot. That's long. And so we passed by somebody, and I could hear them say, I've been in line for two hours. <laughs> That's why I said, you know, it's not worth it. Let's leave. Let's go home. Let's eat some leftovers, and let's try again next year. <laughs> but, but people were just, I mean, it was like they've never seen things before in their life. Like, those are bed sheets. They're mine. You know, like they just start grabbing things. And it was like, it's, it's on 20% off. I'll take five, you know. They just went nuts over this stuff. And, and I heard one lady, when we were walking through, we are just kind of trying to dodge and weave and go around and under. And I heard one lady verbatim. She said this, and it, and it made me stop. She said, the sales are so great, I can save money so I can spend more. <laughs> now, I was homeschooled. I am not the smartest man alive. But when she said, save money to spend more, it was like, what? <laughs> really? That was her mindset. I can save money so I can spend more. And in that chaotic moment of just pure craziness, I felt like God said, that's the idea today. That's what culture likes to preach. Because in a matter of 24 hours, people can go from giving thanks to wanting everything imaginable. In a matter of 24 hours, people can go from feeling blessed, feeling wonderful, feeling generous, to tripping that lady with the cane just so they can get that last bed sheet on sale for 30% off plus Cole's cash. <laughs> that, that was, I mean, that's the mindset. And, and today, I, I just, I want to talk about comas, crowds, cash, and Christ. Because how many of you know if you do Thanksgiving right, you will enter into a turkey coma? There's that moment where you, you eat so much turkey, if you're like me, uh, you eat so much turkey, you just, you kind of get the, oh, to the point where you can sit down in the chair, and next thing you know, like, it's nighttime, and you're like, what happened? Who won the game, you know? <laughs> I mean, I love Thanksgiving. It is my favorite holiday for one simple reason. I can eat as much as I want, and my wife can't judge me. I can just eat and eat and eat, and it's incredible. And then, you know, you go from Thanksgiving to where most people, they go to the Black Friday shopping, and then there's just crowds. It's just like, I didn't realize so many people lived here. Where, did you, where have you been hiding? They just, they come out of nowhere, and it's just, they're everywhere. <laughs> and then the amount of cash spent on Black Friday, it's incredible. They did studies, and... <laughs> Literally millions upon millions upon millions of dollars are spent on one night. One night. People just spend money like crazy. But the thing I really want to focus on, and it probably will come as a huge surprise, is that last word, Christ. Because I heard his name a lot on Black Friday. Um... 
wasn't the right version, you know? They were, they were speaking out of the message or something. Um, but I want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. Because we're in that season where Thanksgiving is over, and some of you went right past Thanksgiving and just went straight to Christmas, and we're praying for you, okay? But we're in this season where we go from giving thanks to wanting everything. As a kid, you know, I, we always got the, uh, the Toys R Us magazine in the mail, and I would just mark that thing through and through, just, you know, Mom, page 7 through 29, just get it all. That's what I want, you know. That was just my mindset was, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to cash in. I've been waiting all year. This is my time. I'm going to get everything I could possibly want. And then reality set in, and it's like, you know, your dad's a pastor. You, you may get socks, just... And they're going to be hand-me-down from, you know, the lost and founded church. But that's fine. That's okay. That's okay. But I, I, want, I want to share three things that I really want us to remember as a church, as a body, as a family. Three things this season that, that I want us to remember that if, if we can apply this to our life, it could change our city. It could change our city. First one is this. It's good to give. It's good to give. Now, if you have a bulletin, I put a little insert in there. If you want to follow along, fill in blanks. Uh, I have to fill in blanks because it helps me focus. Um, that's just how I am. I'm crazy. But it's good to give. And it's easy to remember on Thanksgiving that it's good to give. It's easy on the day of thanks, once a year, to sit back and go, God, I'm thankful for all you've given me. Oh, my family, beautiful. All this food, wonderful. But then within that four-hour stretch, all of a sudden, it changes. And we go from thankful, 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 to I want, I want, I want. It's good to give. It's so good to give, it shouldn't just be one day a year. It's so good to give that it, it, it should probably be something that's practiced 365, 24-7. Because it's good to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Remember that. In your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse number 8. Mark this down and just keep this forever. Verse number 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to bless. God is able. And a lot of people, they get, they get tripped up here and they take out that word able and they kind of insert their own word of God should or God is always going to. No, God is able 
to bless. That doesn't mean the blessing is always going to come. That doesn't mean that life is always just going to be roses and, and beautiful. God is able to bless. But in order for him to be able to bless, we ourselves have to be in the place to receive the blessing. We have to come to a point where we're able to say, you know what, God, I, I'm not just going to sow sparingly. I'm not just going to give what I can when I can. I'm going to give it all to you because it's yours anyways, and I'm ready for when able you want to bless me. And I will wait for that. God is able to bless. Now, if you're like me, um, I love to give. Sometimes I love to give a little too much, um, and I get in trouble with my wife if I don't ask her first before I start giving things away. Um, but I love to give, especially my wife. She gets mad at me when birthdays and Christmas roll around. Um, we usually have a set budget of, okay, listen, this is all we're going to do, and I always go over a lot. And she always says, you know, why didn't you stick to it? I said, well, I, I, I just, you know, I saw it, and then I thought, you know, I love you, and I'm sorry. And then, you know, she gets mad at me for giving over. You know, it's, it's a thing. But, but I love to give. I love to see the reaction when someone receives a gift. Even if I'm not receiving the gift, just to see someone's reaction. And the best reaction are kids. I mean, if you're a parent, you know, on Christmas morning, when they open that present, and it's just like they start doing this, you know, this dance and things are happening, and you're like, what is going on? But it, it just fills you with joy, right? There's a moment when you see someone receiving a blessing that you just, you come to that, oh, that's great. And, and you yourself almost receive something because of something they've received. If you're a parent in here, you understand what I'm talking about. When you see your, your child receiving a gift, receiving a present, receiving something that makes them happy, that brings you happiness. When you see someone you love and you care about receiving something, that gives you a sense of joy. But how many of you know sometimes it's hard to be happy when that person we don't really like receives a gift and we're left sitting there going, God, um, they, they don't even go to church every week. Like, hello, you know? You're sitting there just like, really? Them? Why them? Why not me? I'm here to tell you, in all things, in all things, be ready to give. Be ready with joy. I mean, the word says, love our enemies. Well, if we're going to love our enemies, then you know what? When they receive something, we should be happy. We should be joyful. Because the moment we try to cut off and say, you know what? They received it. They really shouldn't have. You've cut yourself off to the blessing. You've cut yourself off to the blessing. Society is in a, I want this, I need that mentality. It, it's kind of the new normal of get what you can while you can, as fast as you can, and as much as you can. And, and it's all about me. I want this. I need this. If I just had this, I'd be happy. If this would just happen, I'd be happy. I'm going to step out here. If my spouse would just, whoa. If my children would just... If my parents would just, I know none of you have ever said this, but if my church would just, 
when you enter into this realm of this needs to happen because I need this, you cut yourself off to a blessing. You separate yourself from the blessing. John 3.16 through 17, I know most of us know this one, but it's, it's a verse that just kind of resonated with me as I was going through this. John 3.16 through 17, for God so loved the world that he, what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever puts his trust in God's son will not be lost, but will have life that lasts forever. For God did not send his son into the world to say it is guilty. He sent his son so that the world might be saved from the punishment of sin by him. God gave us a gift. And, and I know we all know this. God gave us a gift of Jesus. But something that, that kind of trips us up sometimes, and I know I've been tripped up by it myself, is we, we get into this mindset that we can earn Jesus. We can earn this gift that God has given us. The crazy thing is, you can never earn a gift. You can never earn a gift. When it's your birthday, you don't earn your birthday present. You were just born. Congratulations. <laughs> that wasn't something that was earned. You just happened okay? It's not something you can earn. A birthday present is not something you can earn. God's son on a cross is not something that can be earned. That's a gift that he freely gave. That's a gift that even when we didn't realize we wanted the gift, he said, you know what, I'm going to give you this gift. And what you do with it, that's up to you. Because I love you so much that you can't earn this. There's nothing in the world that we can do to earn this gift. It was just freely given to us. And I think if a lot of more people really took hold of that and said, you know what, my salvation, my freedom, this gift, I can't earn it no matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter how I act. It's not something that can be earned. It's something that was freely given because God freely gave. And, you know, if God had our mentality of, well, I don't really like them, so they really shouldn't get it, the world would be a different place. Because I'm sure there's time um, in life where sometimes we probably do something that doesn't really line up with what God says. Now, I know none of you ever do that. But sometimes in life, you know, Things happen. We're human. We make mistakes. I know this is going to come as a shock. Pastor Dan is not perfect, okay? I know, I know, I know. I mean, perfect is here. He's right there. I mean, he's scraping it. But nobody is perfect. So if nobody is perfect, nobody can earn this gift that God freely gave. We need to have the mentality of God that no matter what, no matter what happens in life, no matter what people do to us, they shouldn't have to earn gifts. They shouldn't have to earn our respect. 
They shouldn't have to earn our thankfulness. It's a free gift. Free. It can never be earned, no matter what you do. But God loved us so much that he gave it anyways. See, God knew we were going to mess up. God knew we were going to make mistakes. God knew that we couldn't keep up to the status quo that he set, but he said, you know what? That's okay. You're going to make mistakes, and through it all, I will be there ready to give again. Ready to give again. It's good to give. It's great to give. Point number two, we're called to give. We are called to give. As Christ followers, we are called to follow the example of Christ. And the greatest example Christ left for us is he gave. He gave. If you look all throughout his ministry, he was always giving. Whether it was time, whether it was miracles, or at the very end, his life. He gave. And, and if we are going to be that definition of a Christ follower, that means we have to follow the example of Christ. And that's to give. We're called to give. Now, some of us are called to give in different ways. Some of us were called to give by going into the ministry. Some of us are just called to give by being who we are. There are certain people in my life who, if they just smile at me, things are good. If they freely give me that gift of a smile, I know things are going to be okay. There's other people in my life who they just freely give me that time to vent. They just listen. They care. That's a gift. You can always give something, whether it be money, whether it be time, whether it be prayer, whether it be forgiveness. You can always find something to give. Proverbs 3.27 do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Proverbs 19:17 Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. In Matthew 6:19 through 21 says this Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermins do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Check this out, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now this, this verse right here, verse 21, is a verse that I've heard misquoted more often than not. Most people will say, where your heart lies, there your treasure is also. That's false. Your heart will always follow your treasure. Your heart will always follow your treasure. So if your treasure is finances, your heart will follow money. 
If your treasure is yourself, you will live to please yourself. But if your treasure is God, I can't earn anything you've given me. I am not good enough to be your son, but you have called me. You are going to use me. My life is yours. My heart is yours. You are my treasure. Then that's what your heart will follow. That's what your heart will follow. A lot of people get caught up in the here and the now, and, and, and I understand that. Trust me, as a 23-year-old man, <laughs> I, I am all about the here and now. I get wrapped up in that a little too much sometimes. Because when you're young, it's, it's easier to just think, I'm going to live forever. I, I, am ne- I, am, I am Superman, but I look better than him. You know, like, <laughs> that's the mindset is, is I'm going to live forever. And as you start to get older, you start to realize that's not the case. And I think if more young people had the mindset of, listen, one day, this day will end. Where's my heart? What's my treasure? Where's my heart and what's my treasure? Because a lot of us, we get so focused in, in taking care of the today, taking care of this life, making sure we have finances, making sure that we have a nice house, we have nice cars, making sure that we have nice clothes and these things. And I'm not saying any of that is bad, but when that is your treasure, that's all your heart's going to follow. And one day, those things won't last. One day, those things will be useless. And so if we get caught up in just focusing on the here and the now, we miss God's big picture. It's kind of, Jacob, come help me for a second. It's kind of, it's kind of like this. Take, take this in right there, yeah. Just, just pull that out. Just keep, you know, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. Okay, that's good, that's good. Let it stretch out, let it stretch out. This black part represents our life on earth. We cram in as much as we can right here. We save, we plan, we try to do all we can for this right here. When God says, no, look, there's so much more. There's so much more. Yes, I know it's good to plan and to be sturdy and to make sure you're stewarding good, but when you care about nothing but this right here, you miss the big picture. When you stay focused in on this little part right here, you miss what God has for you down the road. Because one day this world will end. This life will end. And if all you're banking on is this part right here, you're going to miss out on the rest of what God has. I'm telling you from experience, it is easy to focus on the little black part. But the younger you can catch on to the rest of the rope, the more you can pull in from God. Because if all you have is this, you're going to miss out on the rest of what God has. Thanks, Jacob. You can just let it drop. It's easy to focus on the here and now and miss God's big picture. Because that, that, that is, that's what everyone is doing. 
everyone is focused on, well, you know, I, I have to have the financial plan. I have to have the savings. I've got kids. I've got grandkids. I need to make sure they're okay. I need to make sure this is happening. I need to make sure the car is good. And if you start fixating on that too much, you'll come to realize, like I did, that you have less and less energy as the day goes on. It seems like it's just, it starts to pile up bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where you're sitting there and just the tiniest thing can happen and it's the end of the world. It gets to the point where it's like, ah, I didn't get that 40% off. No. And, and things start to just bog you down to the point where you start missing what God has for you. Especially in this time and this season. When we get into the Christmas season where it's everyone's filling out Christmas lists and it's, oh, I want this, I want that. Cyber Monday is still going to happen. That means I can get more savings and more deals. And I'm going to be smarter than the people who had to wait in line because all I have to do is click a button from my computer. Ha! And if you get fixated on the here and now, you're going to miss the blessing that God wants to put in your life. You're going to miss the blessing that God says, listen, I'm waiting right here in heaven to just pour out. And I'm going to pour it out so big that it's going to overflow in your life to the point where you can't even handle all the good things I have for you. It's going to come running over to where that spills into your family. That spills into your grandkids. That spills into your job. But in order for him to pour out, you have to be ready for the blessing. Which brings me to my last point, point number three. Let God give to you. Let God give to you. Because sometimes, even as Christians, it's easy to get trapped into the mindset of, I've got to do it all. I've got to make this work. I've got to make this happen. And we forget how powerful God is. Let God give to you. There was a verse um, that I'm going to share that I, I heard a pastor kind of do a sermon on it, and he really dove into it, and I started taking notes on it, and the more he talked about it, the more I, I started to agree with him, because at first I was really hesitant. I thought, well, you know, this is a key verse that I've heard people talk about, and the, the idea he was throwing out it went against what most people said about the verse. And I thought, there's no way. There's no way. I've heard this verse a hundred times. But the more he dove into it and the more he said, the more I realized, oh my gosh, he's right. He's, he's dead on. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Here's what it says. Will a mere mortal rob... God, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is God saying, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be the delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. What, what this preacher, this pastor was saying about this message was a lot of times people fixate on, you rob God when you don't tithe, and you rob God when you withhold offering. And, and a lot of people get turned off by that because they see a pastor standing on stage and saying, well, he just wants the money. He's just in it for the money. And this pastor said, you know what? I, I want to challenge this verse and put it in a new light. And it's something that has just fundamentally changed me. This robbing that God is talking about in Malachi 3, he's not talking about holding the tithes and the offering. When he talks about robbing, he's saying, because you didn't give, because you didn't give your tithes and offerings, because you weren't open to it, you robbed me of a chance to bless you. That's the robbing God's talking about. When you question that moment, when you're driving down the road and you see that homeless person, and you have that inkling feeling of, you know, maybe I should stop. Maybe I should say something. Maybe I should give. And instead you keep going, You've robbed God. When you withhold your tithes, you've robbed God. When you say, you know what? I've got a lot going on. There's a lot going on in my life. I just can't give above and beyond. I can't do this. I can't give my time. I don't have time to give. You've robbed God. You've robbed God. Because how many you know, God's not worried about money. I think he's got enough. His street is gold, you know? And God's not worried about time. He kind of controls that as well. He's not worried about the time and the money. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour out his spirit. He wants to bless your finances. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless this church. He wants to bless this city. And all it takes is for someone to say, you know what? God, I'm giving you what I have. I'm giving you what I have. It's not a lot. I don't feel like I can do much with it. But my little is enough for you. You can do great things with just a little. God took fishermen and changed the world. God took a kid with some stones and defeat a giant. God took the son of a carpenter and paid the price for everybody. God can do great things with a little. And if, if we can catch this as a church, as a body, if we can catch that, you know what, I, I may not have a lot, I may not feel like I have much to give, but if I can just give what I have, God will bless that as a church, we could radically change this city. We could radically change this city. Because if we were like the church back in Acts chapter 2, I, I just want to read it again. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Some other versions say one place, one accord. They were together in one mind, in one body, in one spirit. They came together and they said, you know what? We're here because of God. 
And if you think of the context, what they had gone through to this point, they were following a man who they believed to be their savior, their redeemer and their king. And they watched him die. Now, how many of you know if that was you, you'd probably in that, you'd be in a moment of panic. Like you, you were supposed to set us free. You were supposed to establish your kingdom. You were supposed to come and make everything great. And then he died. And then three days later, he came back and it's like, yes, it's going to happen. He's back. We're going to do this. And then he says, I'm going away. And it's like, God, I can't take this. I'm on a roller coaster of emotion. What are you doing to me? Why? Does that sound familiar? Sometimes in life, finances could be going great and out of nowhere, all of a sudden they just hit rock bottom. Your child that you've poured into for years and years and years all of a sudden says, you know what, I'm done with God and walks away from church. That thing you've been praying for forever and ever to happen and it just hasn't happened and you're like, God, why? But it goes on in verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Because you know what? They didn't say, you know what, God, you came, you left, and then you came back, and then you're gone again, and nothing good can come from this. I, I don't know what to do. I'm too scared. No, they said, you know what, God, we're holding on to the promise that you gave us that no matter what, through all things, you will bless us. You will be with us. No matter where you go, no matter what happens, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And they said, you know what, God, this is our time. This is our time. We're not going to wait for someone else to make it happen. We're going to sit here and wait for you to pour out a blessing. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse number four, all. All. Were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were in a dark place. There's no doubt in that. Life wasn't going exactly according to their plan. But it was following God's plan to the letter. God knew what he was doing. I believe that God wants to blow over this church and that that air will just blow right into our city. I believe that. My wife and I would not have left sunny Florida to come to Chile, Ohio if we didn't believe that. We believe God has something big not only for this church but for this city. God wants to blow. The question is, are you going to rob him of that chance? Are you going to rob him of that chance to bless you? Because we all come to a point where we have to decide, am I going to rely on me or am I going to step into the presence of God and say, you know what, I don't have a lot. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the best. I don't have a lot of gifts and talents. But God, use what you can in me, and I want to see what you pour out onto my life. 
I'm not the richest. I'm not the bravest. But God, whatever you need to do, whatever you need from me, I'm ready. I'm ready. Some of you, you just may need an earthly blessing. Business may be slow. Jobs may be ending. There may be some problems in the family. There may be some tension. Crazy thing about Thanksgiving, I have a brother who's uh, in the police force back in Florida. He said the number one day for police calls for domestic disputes is on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has the highest rate for domestic disputes. I know life isn't perfect. I'm standing here answering my own altar call. Things are not perfect right now for me and my wife. We have a car in Florida. Who, there's problem after problem that occurs to where we had to leave it when we moved here because the transmission went. Then something with the tire happened. Then something with a belt happened. Then it started leaking something. And how many of you know, after a while, those begin to add up financially. And then something with our car here happened. And then something else happened. And then all of a sudden, something happened with Victoria. So she had to go see a doctor. And then she had to do this. And then medical bills started piling up. Listen, I'm telling you, I understand how scary it can be when you feel like you're behind the eight ball in life and, and you have to take that moment and say, God, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you can do more with my little than I can. Some of you just need that earthly blessing. And some of you need that spiritual blessing, that heavenly blessing. Some of you have been waiting for God to just drop into your life. Some of you have been waiting. You may have been going to, to, to church for years and you said, you know what, I, I've never experienced the Holy Spirit like I said in Acts 2. God wants to drop a heavenly blessing on you today. Bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, you know what, <laughs> you dress funny, but I like what you said. How you talk about this man, Jesus, what he did for us, this, this free gift that we're given, something that we can't earn. <laughs> I need that. I need that gift in my life. I need Jesus in my life. I've tried searching far and high for things that could change it, that could make things better. But you say, you know what, today I want to accept the free gift that I can never earn called salvation. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I need that free gift, or maybe you've accepted that free gift before, but you need it again. That's okay. But if you're here and you say, you know what, I need that free gift. I need that free gift of Jesus. If that's you, we just slip up your hand right now. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. God changes everything. Some of you may be here and you say, you know what? I know this should be a season of thanksgiving. I know this should be a season of Jesus going into Christmas. But right now, I just need an earthly blessing. That's okay to ask. That's okay to ask. Some of you have lost a lot this year. Family members. Friends. 
jobs, money, cars, homes. You've lost things, and God's saying, you know what? I know you. it seems like you've lost a lot, but if you just step into my blessing, I'm getting ready to pour something out over you that you can't even contain. I'm getting ready to pour something out of you that you can't store because it's going to be so big, it's going to overflow into your family. It's going to overflow into your finances. It's going to overflow into your job. It's going to overflow into your church, which then is going to overflow into your city. If you're here and you say, you know what, I just need an earthly blessing. I need an earthly blessing. Just throw up your hand right now. I say, I need an earthly blessing. I'm right there with you. We need an earthly blessing sometimes. Some of you may be here and you say, you know what? I need a heavenly blessing. I've been carrying around this hate and this anger and this pain. I've been carrying around this depression. I've been carrying around this doubt and this fear. And I'm tired. I need a heavenly blessing. I need God to show up in a big way right here, right now. I need God to just pour it out straight from the balcony of heaven. I just need that overflowing peace and joy. If you're here today and you need a heavenly blessing, just throw up your hand, throw up your hand. You need a heavenly blessing. Wow, yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit, right now, before we even call people to the altars, right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you just begin to pour out. Just begin to pour out. God, just begin to pour out from the balcony of heaven. God, your church is here, and they need an earthly blessing. They need a spiritual blessing. They need a heavenly blessing. And God, as one body, we're going to come together and say, you know what? We don't have a lot. We don't have all the answers. We don't have the most money. We don't have the most talent. But God, we're going to give you what we have, and we're going to wait to see how you pour out from the balcony of heaven onto our lives, onto our church, and onto our city. God, you radically changed life. And if you can radically change life, you can radically change finances. You can radically change that child that's walked away. You can radically change our marriages. You can radically change our city. So God, today, as the band begins to sing this last song, I just want, I want those who raise their hands for an earthly blessing, for a heavenly blessing, to step out and let God pour it out over you. Step out and let God pour out his blessing. Don't worry about what people are going to think. Don't worry about if it may or may not happen. Step out in faith and God will do the rest. God can do great with little. Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus, begin to pour out over this altar. Begin to pour out over the people who are coming here and say, you know what? I just need you to pour out over my life. In the name of Jesus, begin to pour out over this church. Begin to pour out over this city, God. In the name of Shirat.
God, in the name of Jesus, begin to pour out. Begin to pour out. God, we are coming to you, asking for you to pour out. Pour out right now in the name of Jesus. Pour out. If all we have is love, then all I is you. If life is what we choose, my choice is you. I'm coming your way, and I'm coming your way. Oh my 
my breath With all of my breath With this heart in my chest And every look in my eye You know I I'm coming your way And I'm coming your way I'm coming your way you've called us to give. That doesn't mean that giving is always going to be easy. But God, you've called us. You've promised us that if we step out and give you all that we are, you will pour out a blessing that even we couldn't imagine. And God, sometimes life is tough. Sometimes life isn't fair. But your word says you will never leave us. You will always restore. You will always bless. And God, that blessing will overflow. God, we're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. But we come together today as one as one body and one mind to say, God, use this church. Use us. And when it seems like the world is against us, when it seems like everything just isn't working, we just got to be ready. We just got to be ready for the blessing to pour out. It may take days, it may take weeks, it may take years, but when it pours out, God, it's going to overflow to where we can't contain it. God, blow into this church. God, we give you everything. Everything belongs to you. can't wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what you do with this church in this city. Because we're not going to we're not going to sit back and focus on the little black part of the rope. God, we see the big picture. You've laid it out in your word. 
And God, it's our job to give that big picture to the world. We don't have to be a pastor. We don't have to be called into full-time ministry. We just have to be willing to give what you call us to give. God, I ask that this church be the church that praises you before the storm and at the end. That we go into the storm praising you and we come out of the storm praising you. That God, no matter what happens in life, we'll praise you. God, no matter what happens, we're coming your way. God, we're coming your way. I just want to sing that again if we can. I know we're running a little late, but if we can, just sing that again. His blessings coming to you. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. That's it. That's it. That's it. Come on, God is able to bless your life now. Come on, come on. God, we've opened ourselves to your blessing. And we're going to keep ourselves in the blessing. No matter how rough life gets, no matter how long it seems like we're in the drought, God, we're going to wait for the blessing to be poured out. We're going to wait for the blessing to be poured out. And God, when that blessing does pour, we're not going to keep it to ourselves. We're not going to contain that blessing because you're going to pour out so much that we're going to have to give the blessing to others. So God, this season that we're in for the rest of this year and for the rest of time, we're coming your way. We're coming your way, God. Finances may get tight. Arguments may happen. 
sicknesses may come in. But God, we know that in your power, in your mighty name, they have no authority over us in your church. You've called us for something greater. And because of it, you are going to pour out something greater. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for this family. God, I can't wait to see the blessings you pour out. I can't wait to see the blessings, the testimonies, and the lives that are going to be changed because of the blessing you poured out and you started today that will carry on. God, we're coming your way. We're coming your way. We're ready for the blessing. God, I ask that you bless these people throughout the week. Bless them in their jobs. Bless them in their homes. Bless them in their finances. God, bless them with joy, with peace, with comfort, with patience. God, take away the pain. Take away the fear. Take away the discouragement and replace it with your blessing. God, we leave here knowing that there's more to life than the black tip of the rope. And we see your big plan. So God, we're coming your way. We're coming your way. Thank you for the free gift that we could never earn that you gave us. I ask that our mind and our spirit be in tune with that throughout the week. No matter what happens, no matter what life throws at us, we're coming your way. God bless these people. Bless this church. Give us a great rest of the day and a great rest of the week. We love you and we thank you. Amen and amen and amen.